Mix 106.3's Real Estate Show with Cam and Renee. Get moving today with ActU AGL. Set your energy up in a few minutes. Hi, this is Cam and Renee. Well, each Saturday between 9 and 10 a.m., we love hosting the Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. And here is what we featured in the show last weekend. Cam, we're going to get a little bit of a history lesson this uh-huh. morning, you and I and people listening, because one of Braidwood's first houses is up for yeah. sale, which is really cool. And uh, Kelly Allen is a selling agent. She's from Bell Property in Braidwood. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, guys. How are you both? Really good. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Okay, so let's let's paint the picture. Can you give us a brief overview of the history of number 110 uh, Duncan Street in Braidwood? Look, Duncan Street, this particular house was built in the mid-1800s, so mid-1850s, sort of 1850s, I believe. Um, it was handmade by uh, convicts. Um, the bricks themselves, it's a double um, brick home. Um, the man who built it, his name's Will- William Isley, um, and he built it for his wife. Now, William was also known to build um, and be part of the building of the St. Andrew's Church okay. in Braidwood yep. and also the council chambers here too. Wow. Okay. And uh, how special and rare is it, Kelly, for a home like this with so much history to be on the market? Look, Braidwood is a heritage-listed town and it is scattered with these beautiful period homes. This particular one, though, um, is probably a, a, one of a small handful of, of period homes of that age. And also, at the time it was built, it was built. It was certainly one of the more significant period homes. Um, the township, as you probably know or may not know, um, was a gold mining town. Yes. So there's a few um, miners, weatherboard miners, cottages scattered around. You've got little weatherboard cottages. But the more significant ones are the double brick. Um, so this particular one is certainly one of those. Um, and obviously to stand the test of time and still be standing here today in such a beautiful condition, um, it's certainly a rare find. We know with our country towns, the, the township and the population is close-knit. Everyone knows everyone. Has this got the people of Braywood chattering um, about the sale of this house? It certainly has. And we even had a feature on the All Homes um, in the paper last weekend. And even Canberrans are, are commenting about the house and the locals are commenting about the house. But the people of Braidwood, it is, you're right, it is a true sense of community here. Um, and we still have that, that sense about the community. Um, and people are very proud of the history that we retain here in, yeah, in this country. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and who do you think this home would suit, Kelly? Oh, I think it would. The beautiful thing about it, it would suit a mix of buyers. It would certainly uh, suit first-time buyers if they want to snag a piece of Braidwood history. Um, it could certainly suit a small family of maybe two. Um, it does have the loft room upstairs, which I've got two little boys. They would never come down because <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's got the dormer windows um, and it's really a really kind of exciting place to hang out and, yeah. and probably you know, sleep. But so it would certainly suit families. But even then, it's, it is a three bedroom plus a study house. Um, it's a level block and it's located on Duncan Street. So that's quite a popular street because it's a level walk back into town. So it would also suit um, a couple of downsizers or retirees that want to have a house that is has that charm and history um, and the period features without having to do all the work to get it to that level. It, it just sounds like an absolute one-off. Are you excited as an agent to be selling this? I'm always excited about selling any property. 
<laughs> I bet. Particular one, I really am. Um, but this particular one, yeah, I, I love when I get these ones. These are special. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, people should definitely check it out. That's 110 Duncan Street in Braidwood. Uh, thanks so much for your time this morning, Kelly. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. I don't know whether you've done this uh, with your friends or not, but I've had this conversation a few times where you sort of say, if we had have told you this time last year that we'd be in the midst of a global pandemic uh, with our borders closed, footballers playing in front of empty stadiums, the Olympics postponed and Melbourne in lockdown again, you would have said... No. No way. No way. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's madness, Cam. I know. You just couldn't have imagined it, could no, you? not at all. And 2020 just keeps delivering as well. Yeah. <laughs> Something almost weekly. Um, so what will life be like moving forward? What type of property will be popular post-coronavirus? That's one of the questions we're going to ask this morning of our leading property commentator, Michael Yardney, CEO of Metropole Property Strategist and host of the popular Michael Yardney podcast. He joins us now. Good morning, Michael. Welcome back. Good morning, Cam. Hi, Renee. Hi, Michael. Now, look, there are so many guesses of how our living preferences will change post-COVID. Now, what type of property do you think will be popular when life moves on? Well, maybe we should talk about what won't be popular. And people are going to be worried about living in some of those high-rise towers where they share lifts and stairwells and press the same buttons as other people and share the same uh, communal air and communal facilities. So I can see people wanting to have their own space, whether it's a townhouse, a villa unit, a low or low-density apartments will still be popular, but they're going to be able to cordon themselves off. They're going to be able to sanitise to their heart's content. <laughs> People are going to be more cautious. We were sort of... We never expected this, as you said in your introduction, but now people are going to wonder... When will it come back again and how can I protect myself? So many people's lives have been thrown into financial turmoil as well. Do you think the idea of the McMansion might also disappear? People are just putting themselves into debt up to their eyeballs and then looking forward and going, wow, if something like this, even 1% happened again, we'll be gone? It's been shown that after major events like this, including recessions in the past, people are much more cautious because we had 23 years of great economic uh times in Australia. No one envisaged anything like this. Our confidence has been shaken, Cam, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sure. And Michael, we've had this unexpected sort of second wave of COVID-19, uh, which locked down Victoria and the RBA's had to update its previous economic forecast. What do they see ahead for our economy? Well, the good news is we are going to get through it. We will improve life. We'll get back to a form of normal and the economy will pick up. But they've suggested now because of this second wave that this is going to be further out and maybe take a bit longer to come. So this is now the third quarter of the uh, calendar year and most economists were hoping that in this quarter, finishing September, the economy would have picked up. But now many are suggesting it may actually be another recessionary quarter and things will pick up in the last three months of this year. Unemployment will start to come down next year. It will get better. It's just going to take longer and uh, be not as smooth a ride. There's too many uncertainties. Every four weeks or so you come to us uh, on air from Victoria. So how are you going amongst everything down there? Well, we're in stage four lockdown compared to Canberra. So I'm allowed to go out. You know, my excitement this weekend, Cam, is I'm going to Woolworths for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I can actually 
have one hour a day exercise outside. I can meet one person. I can see my grandkids on Zoom. I've noticed, though, people are angry this time round. First time round, everyone was in it together. This time we've realised we're in the, not in the same boat. We're in the same ocean, but we're not in the same boat. Some are doing much better than others. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, who knows? Again, we say this every time, but who knows what it's going to look like next time we chat, uh, Michael. But hopefully we are on the road to recovery. Thank you so much for your time. Hello? Yep, we've got you, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Okay, great. We have the um, the, you know, the opportunity often to go out to beautiful properties that have uh, been placed on the market, but we do lots of poking around on websites and whatnot, and you see these beautiful kitchens, you know, tens of thousands of dollars spent on them, and... Some very interesting and questionable, one might say, splashbacks. Splashbacks. So we thought we'd investigate that a little further. Let's say good morning to Kia Gregg, who is the director of her business called Department of Design. Good morning, Kia. Good morning. And Kia, just so we're all aware of the exact area that we're talking about, can you just briefly explain what a splashback is? Yeah, sure. So um, not particularly technical, but it's the vertical or wall surface behind your uh, bench top. Um, not always, but particularly behind your uh, cooktop and sink. Yeah, all right. So we can visualise that straight away, and that's where we know it is exactly. What's the secret to designing a functional and good-looking splashback at the same time? Well, look, it, it, the, the, the advice has really changed quite a bit over the years, um, and it really is, is a matter of what technology and products that you've got available to you at the time. So you know, over the years, we've gone from requiring stainless steel and colour-back glass behind um, an area based on the fact that, particularly behind cooktops, there are regulations that you need to adhere to in, in terms of having a non-combustible surface behind um, those elements so that your house doesn't go up in smoke. Sure. Yeah. And uh, Kia, what mistakes do you see people making when designing a splashback? Yeah, look, I think following trends is probably the biggest one. Um, and and I, I guess it depends on whether it's your forever home or whether it's a, you're looking at resale. Uh, certainly, you know, your bold colours and things um, can, can be quite polarising. Uh, I certainly, as Cam said before, um, had to put in Cow prints, <laughs> yep. and, and galaxy um, pictures, um, people's colour back glass splashbacks. Um, but I guess people are moving away from colour back glass just based on you know, people were so afraid of grout. But, uh, you know, realising eventually that, that glass isn't that much easier to keep clean. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, for, for me, like, and this is very much a personal um, opinion, I love the idea of that sort of semi-industrial style kitchen look and that stainless steel, you know, look that you get in, 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 in a, a professional kitchen. Is that a thing still? Depends on the aesthetic that you're going for. Um, the, the biggest trend at the moment is is uh, tiles yes. and, and uh, natural stone, but now we've also got the option of porcelain sheet. So it's replicating the aesthetic of stone, but we don't have any of the staining issues and cleanability or grout issues with that. So the sheets come in a three metre by one metre size. So you can really have the whole aesthetic of a natural stone, but with none of the issues that come along with that. Oh, sounds good to me. And uh, is designing a splashback something you can have a go at yourself or should it really be left to the experts? <laughs> I'd do myself out of a job if I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yes, you absolutely can. Um, 
particularly when you're going into a tile shop or working with your joiner, there are lots of options. Certainly getting some guidance as to particularly the, you know, around the compliance and non-combustible materials. You may have seen on the block a couple of years ago that there is a little bit of confusion, um, particularly around reconstituted stone and its compliance, okay. uh, where they actually got knocked back by the certifier after they put their kitchen in because the, the burner was too close to the splashback. Oh. So certainly getting some advice um, is, is worth it, but definitely giving it a go. Um, and I guess just kind of keeping it neutral um, and uh, safe to a degree um, <laughs> is probably the best, the best suggestion. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. That sounds Pia. like a designer in pain right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pia, it's been really interesting. That I haven't enjoyed, uh, you know, or, or wouldn't put in my own house, but yes. yep. to their own, right? Yep. Yep, yep, that's it. Uh, Kia, thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> Thanks so much. Those are the interviews we most enjoyed in last week's Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. Yeah, if you love hearing about the latest trends or you're up for a sticky beat, drop by for a listen this Saturday between 9 and 10am. Thanks to Actu AGL, it's the Real Estate Show with Cam and Renee on Mix 106.3.